Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 44 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. I think you're going to love our guest. Today, we are going to talk to Jeannie Stevens, who's doing some incredible ministry in downtown Chicago. I don't know whether um, some of you are trying to do urban ministry. I know a lot of churches are moving downtown. Uh, There was the flight to the suburbs in the 90s and the 2000s, and maybe even as far back as the 80s. And I mean, that's legit ministry, but uh, a lot of church planters are moving back downtown. And uh, so Jeannie Stevens is going to tell us all about that. And a cool part of her story is, uh, like some of you might be thinking about maybe quitting a really comfortable job to plant a church or get involved in a church. That is her story. So she and her husband, Jarrett, were comfortably employed first at Willow Creek, then at North Point Church, two of the best known large churches on the planet. Had great jobs, great ministry. God was using them there. But there was this little thing inside that said, hey, I wonder if we're like called to plant a church. So They left everything comfortable, and off they went to plant a church in downtown Chicago. So if you are a church planter, or if you've thought about planting a church, or if you've got a really comfortable job and are wondering, hey, God, are you calling me to do something else? Uh, I think you're going to love this interview. So uh, really excited for this today. Hey, I just, I just want to take a moment to thank all of you who continue to make this a great journey. So many of you have been leaving reviews lately, and every once in a while, I just kind of read one or two. Um, I want to. I want to thank, for example, Kyle Adamson. Thanks so much for your review recently on iTunes. Um, I love this one from. Um, I mean, just a username. This crafty mama said, "Thank you for information I can actually use and apply. Great job. Keep it going. I listen every Tuesday." Yeah, you know what? Information you can actually use isn't that. That's what we're trying to do. And if there's ways to make it better, like you just let me know. But we're trying to make this super practical with the show notes and like steps that you can implement. So I really appreciate it. Thanks to M. Manny, who left a a really encouraging review, to uh, Pastor Chris C., to David Kaler. David said, this has become one of my favorite, or actually he said, this is my favorite leadership podcast. I am a bivocational pastor, and I love the blend of business and church leaders that Carrie pulls from. It also has become the podcast I've easily taken the most action items from this year. Don't listen to this podcast if you don't want your head to explode with new ideas and things to try. Hey, David, thanks so much. And a shout out to all of you who are bivocational. I've never done that. I always think that's got to be challenging. And just hats off to you, David, and all of you bivocational pastors. I know there are literally thousands who like, you know, this is your volunteer thing or you get paid a little bit, but you've got to work and then then work again. Hats off to you guys. P.H.L. Owen, thanks for your review. Chad Payne. Really appreciate it. Dottie DC, Amesu26, and uh, Greg Atkinson. Thanks for your reviews recently. They mean a lot. I read every single one of them. And um, it's just great. When you share, when you subscribe, when you uh, leave a rating and a review, it gets our podcast in front of people. And there's been a recent spike in traffic, like 50% growth in traffic on this podcast. So if we can help more leaders through that, Thank you. And uh, just a reminder too, the Orange Tour is happening this fall. So if you haven't registered yet, just go to orangetour.org. I'm going to a number of cities. I think 15 cities are covered in total during the Orange Tour in the United States this fall, starting in September, going right through to November. It is a great gathering for leaders. Like I said, I'm going to be in eight cities. Would love to connect with you there personally. So go to orangetour.org 
and register. And because we're coming to you, it's a great conference to bring your team to as well. So uh, really excited for my conversation with Jeannie Stevens today. And why don't we just jump right into that? Well, I'm really excited to have Jeannie Stevens on the podcast today. Jeannie, so glad you're here. It is good to be here, Carrie. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, it's it's a thrill. We were saying, you know, we always seem to just almost connect at conferences we're like and in green rooms. In the sky. We are. So <laughs> we are. Yeah, usually we end up speaking at the same things and then, you know, you're leaving and I'm coming or vice versa, yeah. but now we're going to yeah. actually get to chat, which is fun. Yeah, thank so Thank you so much for having me and thank you for the gift of your podcast to so many church leaders. You know, our our director of ops listens to your podcast every single week and always says, this is what I learned from Carrie this week. So we have benefit. Uh, we've experienced the benefits of your podcast. So thanks for having me on. Well, cool. It's a, Thanks for being on. Hey, you've had a really interesting journey in ministry, Jeannie, mm-hmm. you and your husband, Jarrett. Um, tell us a little bit about how God has used you over the years in ministry. Well, I am... So grateful for our story, so grateful for our heritage. Uh, when I was fresh out of college, I walked into Willow Creek Community Church, a tiny little church in Barrington, <laughs> not really a tiny little church. Uh, and I walked in, uh, Jarrett and I were engaged at the time. He still had one year left of school, and we said, Hey, let's get a great experience. Let's go volunteer at Willow Creek Community Church for for a year and let's, let's see what we can learn. And, uh, so we walked into their youth ministry, said, do you need any volunteers? And what youth pastor is gonna, you know, say no to (laughs) to fresh volunteers. And they said, absolutely. And that ushered us into a story that we never went looking for. That has just been a God written story. Uh, we started volunteering at Willow. I was 22 years old. And uh, that led into an 11-year journey. A few months after volunteering there, I was invited to interview for a staff position. I, I did that and went on staff. And after Jared had graduated from, from college, he went on staff at Willow. And we spent 11 years of our life uh, being a part of the Willow Creek Community Church in Barrington, Illinois. And Carrie, I, I can't even begin to tell you, I, I felt like every day I got to go to work at Disney World. And hmm. it was just an amazing, amazing leadership development opportunity. Uh, I felt like I was getting a master's degree and a doctorate degree uh, all in one and yet getting unbelievable leadership training from from such an incredible church. So I'm so grateful for our years there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and about 10 years into our time there, we made some really great friendships down at North Point Community Church. We had some similar, um, you know, just desires for ministry. And that led us to a really unexpected move in our life uh, down to Atlanta. And we got to be a part of the North Point Ministries for four years under Andy's leadership. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, just felt like I got to go to work at Disney World every day uh, when it comes to, to church work. And it just was amazing to be under such incredible leadership. I hold Andy in such high regard and so yeah. grateful for uh, our years there. So grateful for Andy and the staff of North Point. And about three years into our time there, we had this sense that God was inviting us to begin to pray about uh, starting a church. And wow. it was kind of one of those quiet prayers that we always wondered along the way. I wonder if we should start a church one day. I'm not sure. And God just disrupted our comfort and invited us into a very courageous calling. 
And so we both began to pray. Uh, we did a lot of discernment and wisdom work, inviting mentors and leaders into our life to, to see if, if this really was what we were to do. And, you know, Carrie, it got to a point where it wasn't an option for us mm. to start a church. It was obedience. And, hmm. uh, and so we just knew this is, this is what it looks like to obey God. It is to start this church. And we went on that journey and, uh, you know, told Andy and told the leadership of North Point and said, we love working here. We love everything about working here, but we're going to, we're going to follow God and how he's leading us. And everybody affirmed and was so encouraging and absolutely. Uh, and so that, that was about five years ago, five years yeah. ago, uh, we left and moved back to Chicago, uh, but moved downtown to, uh, the West Loop area, which is very urban mm-hmm. and, uh, and started uh, soul city church out of our living room. So about <laughs> 20 people, 20 people came over and we started praying and we had big dreams and big vision and all sorts of hopes. And man, our, our lives have been turned upside down, inside out, backwards, forwards, you name it. And I would not change any of it. Uh, the journey of starting this church I tell people all the time, you know, our mission as a church is we want to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. And I am the single greatest recipient of that mission. My hmm. life has been transformed through this church. So, yeah. So that's that's kind of my background. Well, that's cool. Now, we're going to dig into the story of Soul City Church a little bit. But I got to ask this question because, you know, I think this is what everybody struggles with. You said it was a matter of obedience. How did you know? How did you know that God was actually calling you to start a church rather than just, oh, you know what? Chicago has a lot of unchurched people. We should go back and we should start a church there. How did you know it was God? Yeah, because in some ways it didn't make sense. (laughs) It would have made much more sense to stay at North Point. It was a safe culture. We had great jobs, loved people, had just built a home that we enjoyed. Uh, we had two small kids, not the best time to start a church. The economy had just tanked. And so yeah. <laughs> everything about starting this church would disrupt our comforts. Sure. And and everything that I read throughout scripture, specifically even the New Testament, that is the invitation of faith, hmm. is to uh, to get out of the boat and to walk on the waters. And I tell people often that, you know, my years at Willow and my years at North Point, I'm so grateful for those 15 years. And I I loved Jesus. I was a professional, quote unquote, Christian, if you will. I mean, I was working in ministry. But Carrie, the day that I started this church, the day that Jarrett and I started this church, I think I became a real Jesus follower. Mm. Uh, I think that I experienced what it means to walk on water. And, uh, it just, you know, I I like to tell people that if you ever have a chance in your lifetime to be a part of starting a church, planting a church, um, you don't have to be the lead pastor of it. In fact, not everybody's called to do that, but to see something like the local church come out of a living room into an actual organization and organism of what you know, Jesus intended it to be. There's nothing like it. There's mm. nothing like the local church and there's nothing like seeing a local church planted and then growing and thriving and transforming people's lives. So, so I, that's how I know it was obedience. 
Okay. Is that I, I couldn't have made up something so grand like that. That, that was God that, that did that. So was it like promptings that told you it was going to be yeah. Chicago or, or it was how did promptings? Yeah. It was um, people confirming, yes, I see this in you. People confirming our spiritual gifts, yeah. people confirming our experiences, people confirming that it was so, the calling and the passion was so red hot that if we didn't do it, um, it, it would, it would kind of just fester inside of us. And then we actually wouldn't be a, a gift to North Point, which is where we were. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was, it was just so clear to us that this is what God was calling us to do. Well, and that makes it, sense. It aligned with scripture and, you know, right. I mean, so yeah. Well, and I think the affirmation of mentors, and you have some incredible mentors in your life, but I know that was huge for me when I was considering a call to ministry because I thought I was going to be a lawyer. Like, that's what yeah. I was training for. That's yeah. what I was qualified to do. I, I was a lawyer and uh, I felt this prompting to go to seminary. And it was the weirdest thing. And literally, it took me two or three years of just praying and processing it. And really, at the end of the day, it was there were enough godly people in my life who said, no, absolutely, you should do this, that I finally went, Okay, I, yeah. I will. But yeah. um, okay, that's cool. That's yeah. just always one yeah. of my questions is like, how did you yeah, know? Okay, if that was God's will, like, how did mm-hmm. you know? It's yeah. just great. And, and you know, it's not like I, I don't like to picture God's will as a, uh, you know, this magic eight ball, you know, right, or, right. or, or there's, it's a genie in the bottle or something like that. I, I think that we had Jared and I not started this church. Would that mean that we're out of God's will? I don't think so. I, I don't think that's the case. I think that God's story would have gone in a, a different direction and he would have, you know, led us towards something else. And But for us, I just knew that was a way for me to fully express my obedience and my followership of Jesus was, yeah. was to follow the call that he had on our life. And I'm so glad that I did. So glad that I did. So you've worked at a mega church, a couple of, you know, the leading mega mm-hmm. churches in, mm-hmm. in, in, in the world, really, and, and certainly in America. And you planted a church mm-hmm. now going on five years. What are some of the differences? Mm. Well, I don't think I would have been able to plant a church without the learning and the growing opportunities that we had at Willow in mm-hmm. North Point. Uh, they taught us how to be better leaders, how to be better teachers, how to be better pastors. I am so grateful. I think about who I was when I walked into Willow and had I started a church then as a, as a 23 year old, uh, young leader, it would be a very different church. I don't even know if it would still be standing. So I'm so grateful and uh, thankful for all of the learns and, and the growth opportunities that, that God gave us at Willow and North Point. But I will say, um, something shifts when you are at the tip of the arrow, when you are mm-hmm. the one that is leading the church, um, and some something changes. Uh, it's like the difference between when you rent a home and then you yeah. own the home. And yeah. uh, renters are very different than owners, and so there was a whole new level of responsibility of ownership. There was a whole lot of new fears that <laughs> surfaced that I didn't even have to ever think about when I was at North Point or Willow because they were Bill and Andy's problems, not mine. That's right. Yeah. And, no budget. Um, Don't worry about absolutely, it. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. There, there was a, a new set of eyes that I was able to develop over how to look 
over an entire organization, how to set it up for sustainability and for success. Uh, so I, you know, I learned so much in the process of, in some ways, not that I was a renter yeah. at either of those churches because I fully embodied the mission of them. But, you know, when you, when you become an owner, you, you lead through different eyes and you see through different eyes and, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm grateful for it. I think stepping into senior leadership, and we'll talk about you being the lead pastor along with your husband later, which is fascinating to me. But what, one, of, one of the things, I'm 99% sure it was you who said this, was that when you became the leader, the point leader of a church, you saw things through an entirely different lens. And I think it was a talk you gave at the Orange Conference where you said, yeah. did you actually write a letter of apology to I your did. previous bosses? Okay, tell us about that. That yeah, uh, That's so memorable. Yeah, I just, I, I realized that, you know, when you are within the organization versus leading the organization, you have all of the luxury to think about, to pontificate, to talk about how you would lead the organization if you were the one in charge. And, you know, I, I was a eager young leader at <laughs> yeah. both of those. Uh, it's a kind way of describing. And smart, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You had it all figured who out. I was as a, as a young leader. And so I had all sorts of opinions, all sorts of feelings, all sorts of, well, you know, we should do it this way or we should do it that way. And, and in some ways that that's the mark of leadership, you know, sure somebody that, that can see something and, and want to see it better. Uh, but when you're actually in the seat of the point leader and it all rises and falls through, through your shoulders, obviously it's, it's God who is the lead pastor sure. of every church, sure. but, but when you sit in that seat uh, you see things differently. And, you know, I had to go back and write some letters of apologies uh, to to some of the people that had led me over the years because I realized that uh, there was an arrogance and there was a um, just a sharpness of how I viewed the way that they made decisions. And I looked back on that and thought, gosh, if only if only I would have had a better understanding of all that they were having to hold together. Uh, you know, oftentimes people don't realize all that is on the leader's shoulder yeah. and, and all that they have to carry and all that they know and all, you know, all of the information and when to dispel that information. And, you know, so there's just a lot. And I, I wanted to, through the rear view mirror, have so much more grace for mm. those that had, had sat at the tip of the arrow, for those that had uh, really been been the chief leader of, of those organizations. Well, and I, I I mean, kudos to you for doing that and kudos to you for talking about it. To me, that's worth the price of admission right there. Uh, I guess yeah. it's a free podcast, but you know what I mean? Like that, <laughs> that is a great, great thing to remember, uh, both for those of us who are in senior leadership roles and for those of us who maybe, you know, like to think we know better than the people who are in senior leadership roles. But I think you're right. You know, Andy said it a million times. If you actually have the gift of leadership, you're thinking, well, I'd do a better job than of she course, would yeah. or he would. Yeah, and yeah. so, so I get that. I, I just think that's cool. And I, I didn't want to miss it. So, you know, you know I look go back ahead. and so much of my twenties and my thirties, uh, were, were built on a lot of ambition. Mm -hmm. And, um, I am prayerful that my forties and my fifties and my sixties and so on are going to be more about humbition. And what I mean <sighs> by that is humility with yeah. ambition because leaders are ambitious and I don't yep. ever want to, uh, 
you know, sponge that out of me. Uh, I, I love my drive. I love, <laughs> I love my energy. I love the, the things that God calls me towards that, that I have ambition around, but I want it to be in the foundation of humility. And I think yeah. that's the most beautiful part of a leader is when they can lead with ambition, with, with, the, with the sweet humility and the strength of ambition. That's a, that's a cool new phrase. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to keep that one. Ambition. I don't know that's if it's good. a real word. <laughs> yeah, well, that's okay. We I make up words up. all the time. I always think of like godly ambition and selfish ambition, but that's cool. Ambition. Yeah. That's, that's neat. So, you know, you go from tens of millions of dollars uh, of budget to, you know, your living room. Yep. That was a big difference. What were some other differences you yeah. saw between like working at a large, complicated church and then, you know, startup world? Yeah, you know, I mean, we... In some ways, and, and I don't think we had unlimited resources, but in no. my mind, when I was at Willow in North Point, there was unlimited resources. And, sure. and I remember even, you know, crafting Soul City's first budget. And, and I think my first round on it, I thought we needed like $2.5 million. Okay. We, we didn't <laughs> even 20 have 20 people. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't even have $25. Right. And so, you know, I mean, <laughs> so I had to shift my expectations without sacrificing core values and, and who we wanted to be as a church, you know, without, without sacrificing that we wanted to offer excellence. We wanted to offer creativity. We wanted to offer innovation, uh, but we did not have unlimited resources. And so that was a big shift, you know, to go from a mega church to uh, a quote unquote micro church. Uh, I think one of the other interesting challenges is that we, we got to uh, become very creative around solving problems through people, not through money. Mm. And one of the things that I loved about that was that's where true innovation is born. Um, okay. Money, money does not, money is one way to solve a problem, but sometimes it doesn't lead you to the most innovative solution. And so for us, we got to say, okay, well, we don't have that kind of resource. What's another way to solve this problem? Uh, and we can't just, you know, twiddle our thumbs and keep hoping, I wish we had more money. We've got this problem. So how are we going to solve it outside of money? And we invited people to do some really bold things and to sacrifice in ways that perhaps they had never sacrificed before. And you know what? I look back on that and it was exhilarating. It was, it was amazing. I'm so glad we didn't have a $2.5 million budget because Soul City ended up being built on on the sacrifice and the innovation and the creativity and the humility of, of people going all in. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm so grateful that money was not the way that we solved our problems because we saw God answer prayers in such a way that the only way we could describe it was that's miraculous. That's miraculous. So, yeah. Do you have an example? Like, does one come to mind of a time where you're like, oh, I wish we had money, but we don't have money? Because I think, I think you know, most listeners would say, yeah, we don't have an infinite sea of money. And you used people instead, or, or it actually provided an opportunity that you wouldn't have seen if you had a couple hundred thousand dollars sitting in the bank. Absolutely. You know, one of the, one of the very first miracles of Soul City Church uh, was actually the facility that we're mm. in. And Oftentimes, church planters, this is one of their largest challenges. Where are we going to meet? Where where are we going to assemble so that this mission can get some fuel behind it and really grow? And so much of their budget ends up going towards facility. And there's all all of those challenges, you know, that that show up. Well, uh, there was a 
a friend of ours had a, a, a friend that he knew that he connected us with that owned a full city block. Their family had owned this full city block and on the, on the block was a warehouse. And I started meeting with, uh, one of the leaders of the, of, you know, this, this family, and we started having coffee and we started connecting over the vision. And then they were believers, amazing, amazing mm. people. And, uh, and so I remember really clearly, uh, early on giving him, uh, an LOI, a letter of intent saying, could we, could we rent a portion of this warehouse space to get our church up off the ground? You know, and I kind of slid the LOI across the yeah. <laughs> table like you know this is all we can afford and and he said oh man i i wish we could do something to help you out but you know we just we can't we can't do that right now well oh, wow. you know i i could have taken that no as a no but i took it as an opportunity to just keep praying and i took mm. it as an opportunity to just keep asking god to either turn his heart turn his family's heart uh or you know to do something miraculous in a different direction. But I had this sense that this was the space that we were supposed to start our church. Well, unbeknownst to me, they started praying, Carrie, and came back to us about six months later and said, you know, we know that you're looking for a location to start your church and we've been praying and we feel compelled by God to let you have this 22,000 square feet of warehouse space rent-free for two years. Wow. And it... I mean, it just blew my mind, right? <laughs> I was <laughs> like, did you just say the words that I think you said? Did you just say free? Like, we don't have to pay rent for two years. Wow. And we have this facility 24-7, like round the clock. And that was a game-changing moment for us. And Yeah, it would be. You know, we, we didn't solve our facility problem with money. We solved that facility problem with a whole lot of prayer and, uh, with inviting somebody to do something radically sacrificial and God compelled them to do it. Now I know that that's not the story for every single church planter out there that somebody gives them, you know, 22,000 square feet of warehouse space rent free for two years. That is our story. It is a miracle of God. It is Truly, it was a game changer for us as a church. Um, but I'm so glad that I didn't try to solve our facility problem mm -hmm. with money um, early on because we didn't have it. And God kind of just said, watch how I solve this problem for you. Watch, wow. how, I, watch how I take care of my church. So, yeah, it, it's probably one of my favorite stories from our early days of seeing God move. That's an incredible story. And so, you know, moving from a megachurch environment to a startup church, a church plant, um, you've already hinted at this. You said, you didn't quite say, I became a Christian. No, but but like you relied on Jesus in ways that maybe you hadn't had to to that point mm -hmm. in your life. Not that your faith wasn't sincere or genuine or Absolutely. Uh, all of that. But like, what, what else was it like for you or you and Jarrett as you moved from that, you know, large, well-supported, resourced, yeah. Um, organization into startup world, like what did that do for you personally as leaders? Uh, I think that it gave us a new set of eyes for mm -hmm. how organizations actually get built and how healthy organizations get built. And so it gave me such a deep respect for the um, infant years of both Willow and North Point and that, you know, those organizations are incredible and people peer in on them and say, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Well, they all, they both started from 
a vision and from yeah. a mission. And and they had infant days, you know, they weren't a mega church the first day. So Yeah. And Bill Hybels talks about like plant, you know, selling tomatoes and Andy talks about waiting for the mail to arrive and hoping that there was something in it. Yeah. And one of the great gifts of that is that it really puts you in a posture of dependence, which is the best posture for every leader to yes. lead out of. Uh, a leader that is dependent on God is the best kind of leader to follow um, because you know that they're choosing courage over comfort and, mm. and that that's hard um, but good. And so, yeah, there were so many great things moving from a megachurch to uh, a, a church plant, you know, that, that are challenges. And I, I look at those challenges now and we're still, you know, we're only four and a half years old, so yeah. we're, we're not, we're not a, an old church in any way. Uh, but I, I still look back on that and I think of all of the different things that were actually a gift in a curriculum to us. The challenges, I, I see them now as a gift to grow my dependence, uh, mm. you know, cause there's always the, always the logistics that go into starting a church. There are yeah. so many logistics. Um, we talked about this already, but, you know, resources and raising resources, finding the right people. Is this the right person? Um, and then garnering and holding healthy rhythms personally and professionally. And so all of those things got pushed in us. And, you know, it was hmm. like we were in the furnace of dependence. And I, I think that one of the most beneficial things that came out of planting a church was gosh, I don't want to lead outside of being dependent on God. Uh, because when I depend on me, it is messy. When hmm. I depend on God, there is a different uh, peace about me. And yeah. uh, it, it just has grown me and put a deeper steadfastness in me as a leader. And I'm, I'm so grateful for it. Hmm. What's been the hardest part of planning a church for you, Jeannie? Hmm. When you look back on four and a half years, five years, what, what's been Yeah, you know, I think one of the, the personal things for me uh, that I think I could have talked about this and, and said, you know, well, I know that not everybody's going to stay and they're going to come for a while and then some people yeah. are going to leave. And I, I think I could probably talk about that logically, but I didn't have the true understanding of what that felt like emotionally. Right. When, you know, you, you go all in together and you get into the trenches of building a church and, you know, this mission means everything to you. You've sacrificed everything to start it. And somebody comes in for a season and then they go and they leave. And I think for me, that has been one of the, the leadership challenges and, and good lessons is to learn how to love people well. Hmm. for the time that they are there and to love them with all of me and to know that they are not mine and God may call them to other things and they may leave soul city church and they may not see it the same way that I see it. And that's okay. Uh, hmm. but you know, some of the first people that left or moved on or, you know, one, one of our challenges as a church being in an urban context is that Lots of people are transferred to Chicago and they stay here for 18 months to two years and then they're tra 
desperate somewhere else. And so, yeah. you know, we don't have people that are like, I'm going to grow old with you and we're going to sit on a rocking chair together and talk about our years at Soul City, you know, and lots of the people that come to Soul City are only going to be here for 18 months. They're only going to be here for maybe, you know, a year even. And so I had to learn a new understanding around that and how to do relationships. Hmm. And, you know, some of, frankly, some of the first temptations that I had was, well, I'm not, I'm not going to share my life with anyone, you know, I'm, right. I'm not going to, cause you're just going to leave close. too. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> you're just going to leave too. And, and I see, I see the writing on the wall. And so, you know, we're just going to have a professional relationship with one another and we're not going to share our lives with one another, but that wouldn't be uh, true to who I am, uh, because I, I love people deeply and I, I love to share life with them. And so, you know, that even, even people leaving can be an opportunity and a gift for me to grow. And God's going to grow my leadership through that. And he's going to change our organization because of it. And so, so that has been probably one of my personal challenges is, uh, seeing people leave and, Mm. and how, how that, uh, affects the leader. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I'm sure it's not just people being transferred out either. I mean, as heartbreaking mm-hmm. as it is, you know, you poured your whole life into planning this yeah. church and some people come for a season and then they go, eh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go to something else now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and that's hard. I love, I, I forget exactly how you said it, but you said, you know, my job is to love them wholeheartedly and even to love them when they leave. But that's tough, isn't it? It is. It absolutely is. And I think one of the great gifts for for us in the context that we're at is, you know, we're we're downtown Chicago. We're in an urban urban setting. Like I just said, people are transient. Um, they come, they go, they get connected and then they leave. And what what has been a gift for me is I realize, OK, for however long somebody is here at Soul City Church, mm. I get to be a part of seeing them transformed and developed into the person that God ultimately created them to be. And, and the gift is it's, it's a picture of going, I get to be a part of the development of the broader kingdom of God, because my prayer is that people Mm -hmm. are going to leave soul city. They're going to hopefully go find another church and another place, you know, and, and they're going to take that DNA of transformation with them. And frankly, the real gift is seeing that I am about building the kingdom of God, not my kingdom. And oftentimes church leaders, you know, they want people to stay. They want people to fill their serving roles. They want people to give this certain way, you know, and it's all about building their church. Mm -hmm. And one of the, the big turning points for me was realizing, no, I am building the kingdom of God. That's what I am a part of. And Soul City Church is one little part of that. One little part of the broader, more beautiful church, which is the kingdom of God. So, yeah, it, it's, it's been a good, good way to grow me as a leader. That's so healthy. I just think that's so healthy when you see things that way, Jeannie. Totally, totally appreciate it. Now, mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the tremendous parts of the story is that you and your husband, Jarrett, are both actually lead pastors of Soul yes. City Church. So mm-hmm. tell us about that dynamic. I mean, <laughs> how, how does it work? First of all, I think there's two aspects to it. You know, how does it work to actually have two lead pastors? Mm-hmm. And then how does it work when the two lead pastors are married to each other? 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's yeah a, we're ask, all we're all taking notes. So just yeah, people tell us. ask us all the time, okay, tell me about this dynamic. Uh and and how does this actually really work? You know, Jira and I are gifted really differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're gifted uh in a complementary way. And so uh, you know, some of Jarrett's best contribution to to a local church is he's a fantastic, fantastic uh communicator. He's mm-hmm. uh incredibly creative. And uh while I communicate and while I I hope that there's some creative bones in my body, that's not my best play. My best play is leadership and vision and structure and culture. And so we've really uh, set up our organization in such a way where it's, it's gift-based, it's a gift-based leadership culture. And so, uh, rather than, you know, this is how churches should do it. They should have this kind of structure. We've set it up in such a way where we just go, these are Jarrett's best gifts and contributions. And these are my best gifts and my Mm -hmm. contributions. And we're both equally accountable to our elder team uh, you know, one does not sit over the other, uh, you know, so there's, there's truly, uh, an equality to our leadership. Uh, and, and frankly, we really have to do the hard work of reminding ourselves that before we were pastors, we were married Mm -hmm. (laughs) to one another before we are pastors. (laughs) You loved each other. Yeah. Yes. We (laughs) are parents. And so we really make it clear even to our church, you know, we will tell them all the time when it comes to the priority list, the priority list goes like this. God first, marriage second, parenting third, pastoring fourth. Mm -hmm. And so our people know that, you know, and so we just don't prioritize Soul City Church over our own relationship with God, over our relationship with one another, our relationship with our kids, because, you know, I'm not going to be the lead pastor of Soul City Church for the rest of my life. Right. But I want to be married to Jarrett and I want to be my kid's mom for the rest of their life. And yeah. so we prioritize those relationships over our responsibility of leading this church. And okay. the way that and the way that we've organized it is it's very gift-based. Right. So if it's gift base, I'm just curious, like why both lead pastors? Why not one as sort of lead communicator slash lead pastor, the other as executive? Was there something to that that made you say, no, we're in this together? Like, is it a, a togetherness thing or, or what is it that made you both lead pastors? You know, one of the things that I, I love about, and, and I, I won't go too deep into a, a theological rabbit trail here, one of the things that I love about the Trinity is their mutual submission to one another and that they each play a distinct role. And so for us, we said we want to model what is modeled in the Trinity. It's the mutual submission, but they each play a distinct role. And so for us, we didn't want to build a hierarchical thing in our relationship with one another where one was in charge of this thing and then there was a, a, a discrepancy in power. And so we said the healthier, the healthier model is for us to mutually submit to one another and, and to offer a co-leadership versus, um, one has more power than the other, if you will. Okay, that's not a rabbit trail at all. That's genius. <laughs> that's genius. That's probably the best answer to co-leadership I've ever heard. 
and, you know, a really great model for Christian marriage as well, right? Mutual submission and distinct roles, but I've never actually heard it tied to the Trinity and uh, boy, hats off. I think that's, that's genius. That's, Mm. it's really, really good. So because it's complementarian then in the sense of gifting, it's not like, well, I want that Sunday. No, no, I want that Sunday, right? Like you're not, (laughs) you're not really playing day to day in the same fields all the time. I imagine that makes decision-making a little bit easier as well. You're not trying to do the same thing. I I mean, so, so the, the model is, is equality, but we use, um, our gifts. We, we try to complement one another's gifts. So that's truly how clean it is. And so Jarrett, he has the muscle memory to be able to preach mm-hmm. every, every weekend. I do not. I do <laughs> not. Uh, I am great if, if I preach every four weeks or every five weeks, that feels fantastic to me. If I had mm. to do it every single Sunday, it would be very painful. Now, yeah. The reverse, um, I have a lot of muscle memory that just comes out naturally when it comes to leadership, when it comes to staff culture, when it comes to meetings, when it comes to strategic decision making, when it comes to uh, looking, you know, into, okay, how are we going to solve this problem? That comes very natural to me. Um, And that's not as natural for Jared. And so that's why we did it in such a way where we're playing to our strengths, we're playing to our best gifts. And hopefully, with us doing that. And, and, you know, frankly, Carrie, that's how we have structured our staff as well. So this isn't just like a special thing that we did for us. We try to put people in the right seats on the bus so that they can use their best gift, um, so that they can bring what they're fantastic at. Their genius um, gets to be expressed in the body of Christ. And I, I think that's, I think that's where, you know, when Paul talks about, you know, there's, there's many different parts, but each part plays its part. Mm-hmm. That's how we've tried to structure our organization, that the hand should not say to the nose, hey, what's your role? You know, why are you even here? I don't, I don't think you're as good as I am because I'm a hand. We, try, we really do try to honor the teachings of scripture that every part plays a part. Right. And so what's your best part to play? See that 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 that's good. Now I gotta ask because I know a lot of people. I mean, it's not my context, but a lot of people where both couples work for the church. So I'm sure there's probably a few people. It's like, yeah, we're both lead pastors too, you know. And you'll probably get an email from them. But I think there's a lot of leaders who are like, you know, you know, my spouse is so involved at the church, she might as well, or he might as well just be on staff, or we're both right. on staff. And and I mean, you're in you're in the most intense phase, I think, of leadership that there is, which is startup world. Like, I don't mm-hmm. if there is a more intense phase, I don't know what it is. But whenever you're starting <laughs> something, it's just intense. Agree. So how have you kept those boundaries? Because, you know, it, it could become all consuming. I mean, both of you work full time at the church, you're raising yep. kids, and your kids aren't adults. I mean, they they need mom and dad around. Yeah. And how how have you navigated that? Where has it worked well? And then, and then where have you had to recalibrate? Yeah. So I am a classic. Uh, I learned from my mistakes. <laughs> they're, they're my best, my best teacher is my mistakes. And sure. so there's been a lot of falling into a hole and going, okay, how did we get here? Uh, right. how, how did this happen? Um, 
we're imbalanced, which I don't even believe in the word balance anymore. We're out of rhythm. Um, things aren't, things aren't right. You know, you've been gone this many nights. I've been gone this many nights. We're taking this many meetings We're you know, it's, and so I think that the mistakes have actually been some of the greatest gifts. And honestly, last summer we were right at about our three-year mark as a church. And Jarrett and I, we looked at one another and we were like, wow, you look tired. And he was like, wow, you look tired. And it's because we were. <laughs> yeah, it's because you were. because um, we were grossly tired. We needed about a, a month-long nap. And, <laughs> and so some of the gift of hitting that spot of being exceptionally tired was a wake-up call to say, um, the way that we're doing it doesn't work. So we have to find a new way. And so actually, you know, this is a very fresh thing for me that I would not say I have a lot that I can, can bring that I've been doing this forever, forever and ever. Um, but I'm learning that, uh, there needs to be really healthy rhythms. And so there's simple things like, I know this is going to sound silly. We have a little box on our kitchen counter and we come home and we put our cell phones in the box. So that we're not tempted to take one more email or one more call or one more text message or, mm-hmm. oh, I just got to get this one last thing um, communicated over to, you know, somebody at the church. And it's, it's truly saying the God who hung the stars and who hung the moon and who hung the sun today is in control and I don't need to be. And I can put my phone in this box for two hours and everything's going to be okay. And that's the greatest gift I can give my kids right now. Uh, yeah. so, you know, it's, it's simple things like that. And if you were to ask me, are we faithful to do it every single day? Nope, we're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's lots of times where we make mistakes and where we have to call one another out and say, Hey, your phone is out. Could you put it in the box? Or, Hey, I noticed that you're really distracted right now. Is everything okay? You know? Yeah. And, and so we really try to one, believe the best about each other, um, and call one another to live the best that yeah. God has created us to live. Totally appreciate your honesty in that. And, you know, I think for a lot of leaders who are like entrepreneurial or, um, you know, just driven, you don't, and, and particularly anybody who really owns their ministry or, or is in startup mode, I mean, you don't have a job that you leave. I mean, this is a calling. And so it's hard. Absolutely. I mean, I, I took the morning off and I went for a long, like two hour bike ride in it was to sort of get away from everything, yeah. but you know, I'm right back in my message again, <laughs> trying to try Absolutely. to fix it. Right? And, like, and you know, and it's, and it's a way that you're going to um, make sure that your soul is replenished yeah. and clear and you're leading from, from a healthy rhythm of you being dependent on God so that you can invite others into being dependent on God. Yeah. I think that's so true and uh, really appreciate that. And I think for a lot of leaders, they, you know, it's not like there's a formula and you nail it once and it's good Mm -hmm. for 20 years. It's constant correction, mid-course correction, get on your knees, look at each other. Hey, you're tired. I'm tired. Uh Uh-oh, we got to reinvent. having grace for one another. Having grace for one another and saying, I get it, man, I've been there too. And what do you need from me? And how can I help? And and so I think that, that's, you know, that's just a rule for marriage is offering right. grace. The kind of grace that you want to be offered is the grace that you should offer to, to your partner, to your spouse. And um, so, yeah, so we are, we're deep in grace in the Stevens yeah. family. 
That's good. And you've seen like God has really blessed your work. You're uh, seeing some weekends, 1500 people and you're in the middle of a capital campaign right now. You're going to start one and building project and all of that ahead. And, and, and that's incredible. Like other than the grace of God, what would you attribute your growth to? Because it's pretty spectacular and and meteoric over the last five years, Jeannie. Hmm. You know, I think one of the things, and and I'm glad that you said other than the grace of God, because that mm. would be the first thing that I would say is the grace of God. But I would yes. say learning how to say yes to the best and no to all the rest. Mm. Uh, and I know that it rhymes and I know the phrase, but I have to remind myself of that phrase all the time. Mm. Leaders start things because they're passionate. They see something wrong in the world and they want to write it. They, they see something broken and they want to fix it. Yes. It's one of the most beautiful things about leadership. But if you do that at a pace that cannot sustain, you are going to burn people out. And so yeah. you should only say yes to a few things when you start your church. Do not have 17 ministries that you launch your church with. We launched our church with a weekend gathering with small groups. And with a kids ministry. And that was it. Yeah. And have I had lots of dreams about other ministries that I want to see start and grow and flourish? Absolutely. Have some come along the way? Yes, they have, but they came at the right time. And oftentimes it's the pacing and it's the rhythm of building the organization that gives us a healthy momentum along the way. I would say another thing that I would attribute growth to is we have a clear mission and we have a clear strategy and we say our mission every single week. And what that does for us is that keeps us aligned. That keeps us clear. This is what God's called us to do. And so if some great idea pops up or some great innovation for us to do, and we run it through our mission, we run it through our strategy, we run it through our values and we go, Ooh, that might take us sideways. We say, no, Right. We say no to it. And so really that phrase, say yes to the best and no to all the rest, that has that has been such a guide for me to um I've had to really learn my no muscle hmm. and and learn it well and say no to a lot of things that would have been great, but they weren't the best. Yeah. That that's good advice. You know, I've got to spend some time later today saying no to two things <laughs> I really, really, really want to do personally, and yeah. uh, they almost qualify as the best, but but I can't. And what I've found yeah. is, uh, the more you say no, the more opportunities come along too. Yeah, you know, if if yeah. you're aligned in the right direction. So, yeah. Jeannie, this has been great, and I got one mm. more question for you. What yeah. advice do you have for anyone thinking of planning a church? or even a campus in an urban context? Because you guys, I mean, we didn't spend a lot of time on that in the podcast, but you guys are like right downtown. <laughs> and that's that's super cool. So like for yeah. somebody who's thinking of going urban or maybe even just starting a church, what would you what yeah. would you say? Yeah, I mean, in no particular order, I'll just fire off a, a few quick thoughts. To start something, it doesn't matter what you're starting. You are going to have to trade in comfort for courage. And that hurts and it's hard. So get ready to do it. Um, There will be moments when you are lonely, uh, where you feel frustrated, where you feel exhausted. But trading in that comfort for courage is such a transformational experience. Mm. And so do it. I would say surround yourself with people that are going to tell you 100% of the truth. They know you. 
They know your flaws. They know your hiccups. They know where you are likely going to stumble and make sure you give them permission to tell you the truth. Um, I would say take risks. Uh, any entrepreneurial, uh, adventure is a risky thing. And so don't be afraid of the risks. Don't be afraid of getting out of the boat and walking on the waves. Uh, know your environment, know your neighborhood, know the people that you are, are trying to love and to reach. If, if you just view them as an entity to come to your church versus love them as true people, uh, you know, I love my neighbors and I long for them to be a part of Soul City Church. And I don't just see them as people to fill seats. Yeah. I see them as people that I want to be, tr- I want to see them transformed by the love of God. And, you know, that, that's a huge thing. Keep your heart soft. Uh, communicate often. We, we use the phrases around here. Communication is care. And if you didn't communicate something, the translation to the person that didn't hear your communication is they don't care about me. It's true. And you don't mean it that way. You don't think about it that way, but have really good communication because oftentimes that is where things break down is, is in the communication. Um, leave your work at the church and Hmm. go home as often as you can, as much as you can. And trust that God is the lead pastor of your church. You are not, and he has got this. Um, I think more lead pastors relinquishing control is going to radically change uh, the landscape of church culture. Uh, we, we are leading in these positions with such um, high, high, high control. And I look at Jesus and I think, oh my gosh, he was the son of God and he entrusted the future of the church to the 12 disciples. I mean, talk about the son of God was not holding the future of the church with a white knuckled control. No, Um, it was was actually a bad business plan if you you take a look at it. It wasn't very smart. And yet you and I are here having a conversation about the church. And it's because our savior um, entrusted it into people like you and me, which still blows my mind. Yeah. And if we can, if we can lead our churches with open hands, um, listening to God, dependent on him, uh, I just, I have such, such high hope for what is to come. So encouraging, so inspiring. Jeannie, people mm-hmm. are going to want to learn more and they're going to want to connect with you. Where's the best place to find you and maybe Soul City Church Online? So they could go to soulcitychurch.com. They could go to geniestevens.com. Uh, I'm on you know, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can find me there as well, uh, Jeannie Stevens. So yeah, I, I look forward to hearing from some of your listeners. That's awesome. Jeannie, thank you so much. Thank you, Carrie. I appreciate our time. And I uh, am grateful for all that you do and the ways that you are committed to helping church leaders like me. Uh, you are a great gift. Great, great wow. gift. That's very kind. And thank you so much for being part of that today and and for everything you do, Jeannie. Really appreciate you. Absolutely. All right. See you later. I think probably my favorite thing that I've heard from Jeannie over the years has just been that letter of apology she wrote to her old bosses when she became the senior leader. It's like, I had no idea. I had no idea. I don't know why that's so therapeutic for me, but I don't know. I've, I've always sat in the senior leader chair it's just, you know, my particular path. And uh, yeah, there's a weight to it. And and there's an understanding to it that just I don't think you get until you're in that chair. And I know a lot of you who listen are in that chair. 
Maybe that was therapeutic for you. Hey, you can get everything Jeannie and I talked about, including links to her, to her um, church, to uh, any resources we talked about in the show notes. Just go to kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 44. You'll find everything there. And the next week we come back, and I'm really excited to have my guest next week, Brian Miles, founder of EA Help and also Mag Bookkeeping. Brian's just a great church leader. Uh, we had a fantastic conversation, and we're going to talk all about how to um, get a great relationship with your assistant, how to better optimize work with an assistant. He's got some free uh, resources as well we're going to give away next week. So you want to make sure you get that. Easiest way to never miss an episode is, come on, you can fill in the blanks by now. What, what, what? Subscribe, subscribe. That's right. It's free. So whether you're listening on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, or iTunes, just hit the subscribe button. And uh, if you would, leave us a rating and a review. It just helps everything get out, the word get out to other leaders. And that's our goal. We want to help you lead like never before. And I hope that's exactly what this episode has helped you do. So if you do subscribe, uh, we'll be automatically on your devices next Tuesday. Looking forward to that conversation. We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.